Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I'm great to be together this morning. I just wanted to um, open us up with, in a word of prayer, our brother Svan, if you know Svan and his wife Val. Um, Svan has had um, some kind of a cardiac event. Um, he's outside now. He seems to be stable. Um, he is responsive. Um, but he did have some kind of an event that they're checking out right now. Uh, I'm sure they're going to be taking him to the hospital. So I just want to be sure that we just take some time to pray for him really quick. Let's pray. Uh, Father, you are our king and our sovereign God. You have all power. You have all strength. You know how our bodies work. Um, you know um, all things, Father. And we just uh, come before you now asking in prayer for our brother Svan that you would heal him. That um, the medics that are out there right now, that they would be able to attend to him as your angels would. Uh, we pray that uh, the medication that he receives and the treatment that he receives would be effective. And we pray that um, his uh, body would uh, have full health, full life, full strength once, once again. And uh, that we would have our brother back in the fellowship. We pray for uh, Val as well. I'm sure that she is um, probably fearful at this point, but... Um, help her to be comforted, uh, knowing that um, Svan and she and all of us rest in the love and in the protection of your son, Jesus Christ. Um, please, um, again, just um, heal our brother and um, bring him to full strength. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Um, sorry about that, but um, our brother needs prayer, so... Please continue to pray for him. Um, as we get any new information, we'll let everybody know. And um, I'm sure Val would appreciate a phone call later on today, too, once things start to calm down. On a, um, a good note, um, Aaron and Jade Vitug had their baby girl in the last couple of days. Yep. Um, I don't have her, I don't have, you know, the little stats, you know, the weight and the length and the I don't have that, but I know that she's healthy because Leslie got to hold her for like a half an hour. So the baby's healthy and uh, Jade is healthy and Aaron's healthy too. So that's good. And we've heard about the Bible Bowl that's coming up on Wednesday. Are you fired up about Bible Bowl? Yeah. When I say Bible, you say bowl, Bible, Bible. I know you're not that fired up about it. That's okay. That's okay. I'm just trying to get us fired up. Here, here's an important thing, okay? We're, we're coming into like the new millennium with Bible Bowl this year. So normally um, we would ask the question, do you kind of have pen and paper and kind of write it all down? And then we go back and check it at the end and tally up the results to see who won. Well, this year we're going to go virtual. And... We're going to be like on the interwebs and all that kind of stuff. So you need to bring some kind of a device, okay? Not, not every single person, but because we'll be in Bible Talks, but one at least, everyone has one, but at least one device per Bible Talk, okay? You want to be sure that it's fully charged and you want to be sure that it can access the church's Wi-Fi. We'll give you all the passwords and all that jazz, but... It can be a tablet, it can be a phone, but you will be answering through your tablet or your phone for that evening, okay? So I just want to encourage everyone to be ready for that. Again, it is on the book of Acts up to what we'll cover this morning, which is Acts 23, 11, 
and the church history handouts that have been put out there via GroupMe. If you don't have those, talk to your Bible talk leader or you can ask me and I'll get them to you. So, you ready for that? Great. This guy right here, his name is John Chow. Everybody heard his story yet? Not everybody, but a lot of us. Um, He uh, is a 26-year-old American missionary. Earlier this month, he had fishermen take him off the coast of India. There's an island off the coast of India with an indigenous tribe that has remained virtually untouched for hundreds of years. They're they're tribesmen. And he wanted to uh, go and share the gospel with these people. And so he had some fishermen take him uh, to this island. And as he went, he wanted to give them scissors. He wanted to give them safety pins, fishing line, just small things to to, to help them um, in their lives. But he also wanted, according to his own journal, he wanted to declare Jesus to these people. And so after he lands on the island the the first time, he was confronted by the tribesmen. And as he's there on the beach, he yells out, my name is John. I love you. And Jesus loves you. And he begins to try to pass out some of the things that he had brought. He was holding a Bible in his hand and a boy shot an arrow directly into the Bible that he was holding. This is like this was last month. okay? and so. He left the island. He was unharmed that day, but he did think that he could come back and stay overnight on the island. And so the fishermen took him back. This was November the 16th, so literally less than a month ago. Um, and the next morning, the fishermen came back. And as they were um, you know, on the, on the coast of the island there, they saw the islanders dragging John's body on the beach with a rope. And they believed that he is dead. Um, The Indian government hasn't gone onto the island to try to recover the body because they're at one in one respect. They're trying to respect the the, the culture of the people there. Um, So they aren't 100 percent sure that he's dead, but they're pretty sure that by this time he's dead. So should he have gone or not? Some say it was a case of arrogant colonization by the Americans. There go those Americans again, trying to bring people into the 21st century and trying to warp their traditions and their views with their culture. But this guy, John, wasn't there to colonize. He, he wasn't there to, to change their culture. He was there to change their eternity. Uh, he didn't go in the name of Uncle Sam or the red, white and blue. He went in the name of Jesus Christ and he went to save souls. Sometimes following Jesus does not turn out well. And sometimes it's just not what you would expect. As we come into this home stretch here in Acts, we're going to start in Acts chapter 22, verse 22 this morning, but we're skipping much of the travel entries that Luke makes to to focus on the remaining speeches that Paul makes. And by this point, Paul has completed his third missionary journey. He's returned to Jerusalem to bring some money to help the Judean churches through a famine. He's trying to forge unity between the Jewish and the Gentile churches. And he's caught up in a riot over a false assumption that Paul had brought a Gentile companion into the temple. He's given the opportunity to speak to the crowd and he shares his testimony. Some of us would have 
covered that last week in our house churches. I know that some of us did, some of us didn't. But I think we're all familiar with the story of Paul's testimony. And they listen until he hits, not necessarily a, a theological nerve, but they listen until he hits a racial nerve. Because he says that Jesus had sent him to take this message to the Gentiles. And at that, they throw a fit and they go crazy. And as this crowd goes into a frenzy, again, things just weren't going right. And that's where we pick up our passage today. Paul will find an audience before the Sanhedrin. Ultimately, he will find hope from Jesus himself. And in doing so, I think we're going to see that even when things don't go well for us in following Jesus, Jesus is there to stand by us and to give us courage. Amen? Let's pray again, and we'll read our passage. Again, Father, we uh, come before you. I guess it's, uh, we can never pray too much, that's for sure. Uh, but we're grateful that we can look at your word this morning and any piece, any morsel, any nugget that we can get to encourage us to set us on the right path and to clear our minds, Father, we want. And so we ask that from you right now, that as we read your word, that your word would, would speak and it would speak boldly, it would speak loudly to all of us, that it would open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears and help us to really see the love that you have for each and every one of us. And how you do stand by us and you desire to give us courage, even as we try to live righteous lives and even as things sometimes don't go the way that we think that they should. Father, help us to have this great perspective as we leave here this morning. Again, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 22. I'll just start in verse 21. It says, Then the Lord said to me, Go. I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. As they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the commander ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. He directed that he be flogged and interrogated in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing there, Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't even been found guilty? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and reported it. What are you going to do? He asked, This man's a Roman citizen. The commander went to Paul and asked, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Then the commander said, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship, but I was born a citizen, Paul replied. Those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed when he realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. The commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews. So the next day he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the members of the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I fulfill my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, how dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, 
Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I'm a Pharisee, descended from Pharisees. I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees believe all these things. There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage! As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. So the title of the lesson this morning is simply, Take Courage. Take Courage. In this first section here, verses 22 uh, through 30, we read about what happens after Paul gave this uh, testimony that he had given to the people at the temple. Like I said before, they, they didn't have a theological problem. They were okay with Jews becoming Christians and believing in this so-called Messiah, this man Jesus. But what really ticked them off was when the message of God was supposed to go from the, Gentile, from the Jews now to the Gentiles. And that's what got them upset. <coughs> Um, they were, uh, it says they were flinging dust into the air. This was a, a sign of, of, of mourning, a sign of even outrage at the blasphemy of Paul speaking that perhaps the message of God might also go to the Gentiles. Uh, there was a commander who was uh, over everything that was happening at the time at the temple. Uh, we know a centurion is a, uh, uh, sorry, a, a leader of maybe roughly 100 or so people, a commander was one who led a thousand people. And so this commander was responsible for keeping peace at, on the temple grounds and in Jerusalem. And so they would uh, take prisoners and they would stretch them out to, to flog them on a, a kind of a, a small post. They would bend the prisoner over and then they have the, 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 the leather whips with either the bone or the rocks or the glass on the end and they would whip the prisoner over and over again. Many of them would be brought to their death through this type of flogging. But um, praise God, Paul was able to kind of save himself because right as they're about to whip him, Paul just gets the great idea like, you know what? I'm a Roman citizen. I'm not supposed to get flogged. And I'm, I could just imagine. I'm personally, I'm reading. I'm thinking, Paul, why didn't you say this earlier? <laughs> He's literally like bent over the thing and like, oh, wait a minute. Should you be flogging me? <laughs> And, and that calls him off. That calls him off and gets them literally off of his back. And so uh, he has a little uh, conversation about how he got his citizenship. Uh, the commander had to pay for his citizenship. And apparently the emperor's wife at the time, she was known for selling uh, citizenship. Countries still do that today, sell citizenships. But she, she was apparently doing this. And that's probably how this guy got his citizenship. So... Uh, anyway, this brings us into our first and only point this morning. You can put up my next slide, the title slide. So that's the title slide. I'm sorry, the graphics are just kind of, you know, really basic, but I don't know. Next slide, which is also very basic. 
A good conscience. A good conscience. So I said there's only one point. There's like one and a half. You'll see. It's one and a half. So this is kind of an odd trial that Paul now goes to. Because it does say in verse 30, the commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews. So the next day he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the members of the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. Paul wasn't necessarily quite under arrest. Paul was free to go. It was almost like he chose voluntarily to to stand before the Sanhedrin. So the the Sanhedrin come together... Normally in a trial, your charges are listed. <clears throat> Sorry, you're being accused of A, B, C, X, Y, D, Z, and then you have the chance to respond to those charges. It looks like they got together and just boom, right off the bat, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. In essence is what he's saying. I fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. And this earns him a slap on the mouth. Why? Again, blasphemy. How could Paul or anyone say that he had fulfilled his duty to God in good conscience or that he had a good conscience? And from the Pharisees perspective, no man could make this claim because every man was guilty before God. Our conscience is an inner sense that makes us aware of right and wrong behavior. It is from God and it's like Our consciences are like God. It's a a part of God. And our consciences were awakened when Adam and Eve sinned. If you remember in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve ate, God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And so the guilt of disobeying God awakened the conscience in Adam and Eve. Before that, man only knew right. But once he did wrong, right, that inner sense now told him, you've done wrong. And man knew the difference between right and wrong. And he felt shame that we've read before in Genesis 3. And so man then and woman covers themselves. And we know when we're doing wrong, right? You know when you're doing wrong. Even our dog knows when she's doing wrong. She'll jump up someplace she's not supposed to jump up. Misty, get down. And she'll just... She knows she's doing wrong. Kids, you know when you're doing wrong, don't you? (laughs) Kids know when they're doing wrong. We all know when we're doing wrong. When I was in the world, when I used to steal, I knew it was wrong. My conscience told me so. When I got drunk... Yeah, I felt sick the next morning, but there was a a deeper, a heavier sickness of my conscience that told me that what I was doing was wrong. When I had inappropriate relationships with women, I, I tried my best to fight it off and deny that I was doing anything wrong. But even as an atheist, my conscience accused me. When I'm rude to Leslie or impatient with my kids today, my conscience bothers me. And God put a conscience in each and every one of us to guide us and to alert us to right and to wrong. Now, over time, I got to where I would sin and I wouldn't feel as bad. Some things that I did, I didn't feel bad at all. I I even began to boast about some of the wrong things that I was doing. I became brazen 
And I thought that I had somehow achieved something intellectually. I thought that I understood something that a lot of people didn't. That I had broken out of this human societal construct. And the only reason why I feel bad about the thing is because society has told me that the thing is bad. But the thing isn't actually bad. And everybody else, they're like sheep, they're like lemmings, and they've bought into all of this stuff that society has taught them about this good and this bad. But me, I'm enlightened. I've figured it out. And all those things that everybody else is calling bad, you know what? It really doesn't mean anything. That's the way I thought. I thought that I was somehow enlightened. If you don't feel wrong about sin... And I'm not talking about feeling wrong about disputable matters. I'm talking about feeling wrong about things that are very clear in the Bible that they're sin. If you don't feel wrong about those things, that doesn't mean that you're super spiritual to the pure. All things are pure, you know, bro. It doesn't mean that. It does not mean that you're enlightened by the truth like I thought I was. It means you've hardened your heart somewhere along the way. And your conscience is no longer functioning the way that it should. And we can try to clear our consciences. We can work harder. We can wallow in self-pity. We can hurt ourselves. We can even do good things, right? We can give to the poor. We can do charity work. We can deny our guilty consciences. We can even try to drown out the noise by sinning even more. More sex. More lust. More greed. But the sin that we've committed is like a ghost. And it haunts us. We cannot clear our consciences on our own. We used to have a, a car that had a, um, one of those digital compasses inside of the car. And if the, if the compass ever got miscalibrated, you had to like, push the button. And then you had to go to a parking lot. And you had to drive in a circle like four or five times to get the, the, the compass calibrated again. We can't do that. Okay. We can't do that on our own, I mean. We cannot recalibrate our own consciences, am I saying it right? Consciences by our own effort is what I'm trying to say. We've got to go to Jesus. Only God can recalibrate a guilty conscience. He made the conscience. He put the conscience inside of us. He's the only one that can reset it, restore it, and make it clear again. He's the only one that can return its innocence and make it point to true north once again. We cannot do that. Human beings cannot do that. Our parents cannot do that. And we cannot do that on our own. Now, I believe that this is how Paul was able to say that he had fulfilled his duty to God in all good conscience. First Timothy chapter one, Paul says that he was a blasphemer, a persecutor and a violent man. Paul had Stephen killed, remember. And so what amount of preaching and shipwrecks and vows and prayers and human effort by Paul can cleanse that? None. I studied with a man once who confessed to killing someone. He had so much guilt. He tried so hard to cover it up. But nothing he could do could shake the guilt. It's only through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10.4 says, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats 
to take away sin. Sacrifice that comes by human effort has no effect on our consciences. It cannot take away sin. But in Hebrews 10, 19, the Hebrew writer says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. Our consciences are cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you have a good conscience this afternoon? If not, you can have one. Jesus opened a way through faith in him. You can be confident before God, not guilty. You can have the full assurance that faith brings. You can be cleansed from a guilty conscience through Jesus Christ. If you're in the church, 1 John 1 says, God is light in him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And we mess up our consciences at the same time. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son, Jesus, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us and we mess up our consciences. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that an awesome promise? That's an amazing thing for those who are in Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian yet. And I say yet because I fully expect that everyone at some point is going to become a Christian. It's just got to happen. If you're not a Christian yet, your conscience can be cleansed too. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Repent. Be baptized. And follow Jesus. After Paul got slapped here in uh, verse 3, Paul goes off on them. God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. I mean, Paul, like, he had some kick in him, didn't he? Like, wow. He says, um, or then the, the guy standing next to him says, how dare you insult God's high priest? And then Paul's like, well, I didn't even realize that he was the high priest. And some speculate and they say that Paul's eyesight was bad. I mean, he was older in life, you know. Is that the high priest? I can't really tell, you know. Others say that he couldn't recognize him because maybe since the high priest was traveling, he wasn't wearing his high priest clothes like he might wear in the temple, so he couldn't make him out. You know, others say that Paul was being sarcastic. You know, like, mm, I wouldn't have known that you were the high priest. You know? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I think it's fine to leave the verse just like it is. I mean, he didn't know. He did wrong by insulting God's high priest. And when it was pointed out to him, he was humble. And he immediately corrected himself with scripture. And he repented. I didn't know that you were the high priest. And you know what? Exodus 22 says that I shouldn't insult the high priest. Amen. I repent. Simple humility. And he's living out right in front of them why he could say that he had a good conscience. His faith is in Jesus. He's walking in the light. 
and he's using scripture to quickly turn from sin as it comes up in his life. And he's humble enough to repent even when it's pointed out by an unbeliever. The unbeliever was pointing it out, saying, Paul, you did wrong. You didn't get all defensive. What are you talking about? Like, I'm righteous. You're not righteous. And you can't point stuff out in me. No, he's like, totally. you know what? You're right. And the Bible says this. Let me keep moving forward. Another reason that Paul had a good conscience was that he was doing what Jesus wanted him to do. He was testifying to the resurrection. And the principle is the same as Acts chapter 20. We read, or I think Reese preached about that a couple weeks ago. But um, in that speech to the Ephesian elders... Paul says, therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Why was Paul's conscience clear before the Ephesian elders? It was because he did not hesitate to tell them about Jesus and to testify to the resurrection. And the same connection between testifying about the resurrection and a clear conscience is going to come up next week as well in Acts chapter 24. We'll get to that. But in verse 6, Paul throws out this red herring in order to distract. He knows that some of the Sanhedrin are part of the Sadducees. Some were part of the Pharisees. And he shouts out, I'm on trial for my belief in the resurrection. And Paul just has like this amazing ability to like think on his feet, you know, and, and sometimes to get out of trouble. And he's using it here because it works. Paul strikes a chord and he exposes this greater issue than what he was actually on trial for. And it was their own disagreement in the resurrection of the dead. Have you ever heard the saying, um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend? That's what's going on here with the Pharisees. The Pharisees made friends with Paul because his position was contrary to their own enemies, the Sadducees. But he was testifying to the resurrection of Jesus He was ready to say that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. He was ready to say that Jesus was the only way. It didn't seem like it was going very well, however. And the message of the resurrection was getting him into a lot of trouble. Right after this, more violence broke out and they had to take him away. But Paul's conscience was clear because he testified. Now, John Chow, that guy that we talked about in the very beginning this afternoon, he wrote a letter before he went to that island and engaged those tribesmen. And in the letter, he wrote, I think I could be more useful alive, but to you, God, I give all the glory of whatever happens. He also asked God to forgive, quote, any of the people on this island who tried to kill me, especially If they succeed. Sounds to me like his conscience was clear before he went. Sometimes things don't go well when you're following Jesus. Life does not turn out as planned. And even keeping a good conscience can get discouraging over time. But this last verse in verse 11 gives us hope. Paul had been taken away again. And brought into the barracks of the Roman soldiers. The spirit had already told Paul that he would suffer in Jerusalem. He had already been beaten in the temple that day. He had been involved in three riots in the last day or two. One at the temple. One after his testimony at the temple. And then one the riot in the Sanhedrin itself. He had been slapped across the mouth. 
He did wrong and insulted the high priest. And he had been deserted. 2 Timothy 4 says that he had been deserted. But verse 11 reads and says, The following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. And so things weren't going well, but it was still God's plan to use Paul and have him testify in Jerusalem and then have him testify in Rome as well. Paul was discouraged, but God still wanted to use him. And Jesus himself, Jesus himself, stands near to Paul and tells him, take courage. Don't give up. I'm with you. We still got a plan for you. We're not done with you yet. And church, he's not done with us yet either. He still has plans for us, plans to use us to testify to the resurrection. And when things go sideways or you mess up like Paul, he's there to tell us, take courage. When your schoolmates or your neighbors or your co-workers persecute you about Jesus and you feel hopeless, he's there to tell you, take courage, keep going. When you're trying to keep a good conscience, but you and your spouse aren't getting along and he stands near to give you strength and he's going to tell you, take courage. Through Jesus, our guilty consciences can be cleared. But many times, keeping a good conscience before God can lead us into suffering. Jesus is there for us. And he tells us, take courage. Let's keep on testifying and proclaiming the truth that God has placed inside of us. The truth of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Can we give him a clap again? So the question is, do you have a clear conscience this morning? Amen. If you don't, let's do it just like what 1 John says. Let's make sure that you stay in the light as he is in the light and that we will be forgiven. But um, for those that want to know do I, am I in the, in the right with God? Let's go and ask the person who, who had asked us and brought us out. Or this even the person right next to you. Be like, hey, I want to know more about this so that you can have a clear conscience. And just like um, with, the, with the guy who was up there, just having not just only with our conscience, but even our eternity that we have with God. Thank you so much, Tony. Um... There's not too much left, but one of the things is, I'm not the most competitive person when it comes to different things, but let's make sure that, that we really go after just even reading and, and studying the thing for the Bible Bowl for Wednesday. Right. Let's make sure that we uh, support our single moms that are, that are giving different things. And I see a couple people had their birthdays today. I know that, I know that Dwight has his birthday today. So, I seen a, I see somebody else with their with the balloon. Somebody had a birthday. That was 